passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. More people like you, you, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. Daniel Bard. Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right. One of the best in the business. One of the best in the business. Tim Hires, um, heading coach for Texas Rangers. And 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 also just an all-around good human being. So we like good human beings on baseball isn't boring, Tim. So thank you for being good human being and good inning coach. There you go. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate those kind of words. No, uh, uh, I, I do like the baseball and I do like hitting. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, listen. We all this is what we all like. But there's a great a lot of great things about baseball, but hitting is certainly at the top of the list. So um, I guess. You know, one of the great things I'm, I'm super happy that you're on now. I'm always happy with, to talk to you, but you're we're heading into this series like holy mackerel, Tim! Like big, big deal. The Rangers versus the race. You know, yeah, it's know. it's it's like wow. yeah, the only two teams with with OPS is over 800, and also with 40 wins. Um, as we as we go into this, I mean, I know it's sort of a cliche, and and we can say it's only June, but it's a nice little thing, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, the guys have been hot lately. Uh, you know, they did get off to a good start. Um, but, you know, they've been playing well. We've got some really good starting pitching. Uh, we've got some key hits, as you know. Uh, and the team has been relentless on our side as far as, you know, we'll have our bad games. And, you know, like one last night, we kind of we kind of stumbled on. But, 
they, uh, this team has always come back and they've, they've come back uh, quickly. And uh, the next day, you know, kind of uh, dusted off and, and was ready to fight and make the adjustments to, uh, you know, get some wins. So uh, it's been, uh, it's been a good ride so far. Well, so there's, there's a few things to get to. Um, and you're right. I mean, you guys have been at the top of the list in terms of offensive production uh, and you've been part of some really, really good offensive teams. And the thing is, Tim, you know, you look at, you can say, well, players have evolved, but the well, the first question I have for you is, is there anything that you adjusted? Cause we're this game, especially in the last couple of years, holy mackerel, we've had to adjust to a million different things. Right. But is there anything that you guys went in and you sort of tweaked or adjusted or took a different approach with? Um, yeah, I think when I came over here, it was just more of the communication of uh, two things, uh, trying to clean up some movement patterns, you know, the mechanical side of it, just kind of get in on the same page. So you can understand the players and how they move in the box. And the other thing is uh, the game planning, because, you know, there's an army of uh, uh, pitching coaches, analysts and, you know, pitch design guys that are doing a really good job to knock down hitting. And uh, and so making sure that the the communication that game planning was was right but also that it was simple that players can understand it and that that's that's a difficult task in my opinion for hitting coaches because you have so much information pitchers are doing so much to us um, they are making a lot of adjustments and making sure your players aren't bogged down by too much information but they have simple but they can also stay confident and go out there and use their talents to go play and I think that was a uh, you know, uh, with me, Donnie Ecker, and we uh, have another uh, hitting coach with uh, Seth Connors. That, that was the game plan, was to try to make complicated information simple. And, and kind of our motto over here is simple wins. Even more so than last year? I mean, did, did you feel like this was a, had to be a priority coming in this year? Yes, I think last year was getting to know the players and, you know, making some adjustments. And, um, and you know, it's just that, that kind of a relationship almost, you know, getting to know how players – need information how they accept it how what they need to go out and compete and uh yeah i think uh got off to a slow start last year and um but i did think the second half we started to run pretty well it started to hum and and got into that flow and and i, I felt like uh you know we we kind of had a decent formula heading into the winter of last year so I can go down the list of statistics and, and say here's the success stories but from what you're talking about who whether it's one or two guys like who who basically embraced this and you saw this plan that you guys put in motion really have an impact on this guy um i i, I thought there was a i thought we had twofold type of, of team we had some veteran guys with uh you know with Corey and and marcus simeon and and garver and some guys like that and then you had a lot of younger guys you know with uh, leo Tavares and and guys like that that were not only trying to, you know, make themselves successful in the big leagues and, and, and be an everyday starter, but also adapt to information. And, you know, with this new coaching staff coming in, you know, on the hitting side is trying to, to balance that act. Uh, you know, um, you have the veteran side, you know, like a Marcus Simeon, which he's been successful. He's, he's done, you know, he's done pretty much everything uh, in this game and getting to know what he needs to be successful. He's kind of, uh, he needs, he, he, he likes his information. He likes count-based information a lot. He likes more, you know, simple things that he can go up to the batter's box and, and rely on his talent and, and go from there. Where the other players, 
you had some of the younger guys, you're trying to help them understand what this pitcher is trying to do to them, help them understand strengths and weaknesses. And that communication, it takes a while. And that's where we were at last year. But I felt uh, uh, Nate, uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Nate Lowe just took off uh, and obviously had a great year. But he adapted to, uh, to, in my opinion, probably trying to do too much at the plate and then simplify his game plan and understood his strengths as good as anybody last year. And he knew where he wanted to get the ball. And that's a big part is where do I want to get the ball so I can have success? And he minimized those those swings that just didn't get him results. And that's that's a big part of it because pitchers are trying to get you to, you know, make weak contact. And it was like, you know, no, uh, you're not going to make any money swinging at that pitch. You, you're going to make a lot of money if you can swing at this pitch and be successful in the big leagues. And so, you know, having those conversations and going through the trial and error is, uh, is, is something we went through last year and felt like, you know, this year we're kind of getting, you know, pretty good relationship now. It's interesting because we just did uh, a few days ago, we had Kyle Snyder on and we were trying to get to the bottom of uh, like the team that you're going to face of how do the, how's the Tampa Bay race? What's the secret sauce when it comes to their pitchers, right? Everyone wants to know. Now everyone wants to know the secret sauce for the Rangers hitters, but now, <laughs> but the secret. So, so we asked Kyle and I asked a couple pitchers and the answer was the same. It's like, throw the ball over the plate and trust that you're going to be able to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you're talking about, it seems sort of similar, right? We, we get so bogged down in so much of this stuff, but it, it really is. It must, it must come back to that. Right. It, it, it does. I mean, it's really hard to do. And it's really easy to sit here and say this as a, as a coach. And, and that's the part where I, when I started being a hitting coach, I never wanted to forget how hard this game is, but also can we simplify it? so that it's get back to the being fun and and where's the rewarding part i mean you know guys take batting practice and you see them i mean there are certain swings and it's just i mean watch them hit the ball out of the park and it's so free and easy we get into the game and everything is complicated and so but that but that is where you're trying to go is like you know the pitching side hey throw the ball off the plate get ahead get strike one strike two and then expand you know it's kind of that's that's easy but you know as a hit as a hitting coach and as as the hitters there's certain areas in the zone i mean these are pros I and mean, you you throw it there too often and they'll they'll make you pay and so but what pitchers try to do is disguise that you know they'll throw balls in those lanes that look really good this is my lane this is my go here i you know take off and then balls dart away and so we're trying to help them understand you know the traps of what pitchers are trying to do but also not get away from that so much and get away from your strengths. Cause I've made that mistake so many times, you know, mm -hmm. you're trying to do too much and players get, you know, trying to, they get away from themselves and you want to, you want to make sure that they stay to their strengths. And if we can get hitters to swing at more pitches in their nitro zone or that area where they can really hit the ball hard, we're going to, we're going to be okay. But it, pitchers make that really difficult. Do you feel like the along those lines, do you feel like your guys' two-strike approach is better this time around? Or have you taken I, a different I do. Yeah. You know what? Two-strike approach is is a great conversation. And, you know, all your listeners and young hitters and young coaches out there, it's like I've battled this my whole career. I have. I mean, just I've been in this game since 1990 and and have as a player and now as a coach. And it what I have found is yes, you need a two-strike approach because you know. You know, stat guy is is probably over 45 or 50 percent, could even higher for some hitters 
in their major league career will be with two strikes. So half your career is going to be with two strikes. So how do you dominate that? So you better have a plan for it. And so that's the, that's the hard part is not, you know, changing who you are again, but also what I felt this year is we've really stuck to the original plan and adjusted to the scoreboard, you know, meaning, you know, uh, close games, games that, you know, uh, you know, uh, who the pitcher is closers versus, you know, a pitcher maybe that uh, that's tired and things like that, but sticking to that original plan and being confident in it has probably gave us more success than trying to change and do something different. So I want to go back to Simeon, something you said about, you know, you, you sort of figured, he figured out what information he wanted or I'm paraphrasing, but when did it click with him? When did, and, and this is, it was a new relationship a new player, obviously the pressures that come with a big contract, you never know what that's going to be like. Um, but for you, when did it click for him? Um, I thought the second half, he, I mean, you know, and there again, I'm like not specific dates, but, you know, I think, you know, he, him coming in, you know, like you said, is, you know, with a team that, you know, probably didn't have the success and, and trying to, to do a lot to help the team win and, and, and do a lot early. And I felt like probably there was a lot of pressure on him. There was a lot of pressure to succeed. He tried to do so much to, to get a hit at every at bat and do so much. It probably expanded the zone more, probably got away from himself. I thought second half, it started to really click for him. He started to get his comfort with the, with the team, with the coaches, with his players. And then, you know, this year, boy, he's just, he's just took off. Um, and, and there again, it's, you know, get, us hitting coaches, getting to know what he needs every day. He, he mm-hmm. has one of the best routines in that I feel. And uh, as I've seen in, uh, with, with major league players, it's very simple. He doesn't get away from himself, but he's very, very consistent. And that's, I mean, it, you can just, uh, every single day, you know, what Marcus Simeon is going to be doing. He doesn't get too far away from it. And I think that's really helped him out this year as, as far as uh, us getting to know what he needs. I mean, that must go a long way. And maybe it does. I, but for me, it must go a long way um, for the other younger players. You mentioned the younger players. And you've seen plenty of times where a veteran player is has an impact on a younger player. Because I, we were talking with Mike Hazen about their uh, acquiring Evan Longoria. He said, listen, I mean, there's just some things to just hit more when you hear it from a player or you see it from a player, right? I mean, you, you, you've probably seen this throughout your career. And so for a hitting coach, it must be gratifying to have a guy who, like you said, has a great preparation. Hey, young player, go look at Marcus, look at what he's doing. It might not be exactly for you, but you're getting the idea of how important routine is, right? Well said. I mean, it, it, what we do, we play this game every day and it's uh, there's the ups and down battles and that's what, what players forget. And, and they change themselves. You know, they'll, somebody will say something, they get straight away from who they are as a player and what got them possibly to the big leagues. And what you see is we're very fortunate to have uh, Corey Seager and like a Mitch Garver and, and Marcus Simeon that are very consistent. They've been there. They've been in this league. They've played. People have seen them on the big stage and our young guys can watch them prepare. And it's, it is very, it makes, makes my job a lot easier. 
Mm. And you can't say, hey, you know, watch. You see Marcus Simeon's in here every single day at this certain time. You see his routine. It's very consistent. Even though he's going through some struggles, he does talk about them and try to make the correction, but he doesn't get away from who he is. And, you know, you know, your audience, I mean, I love talking to young players and college players, high school players or young minor league players. And it's it, it, that is some. I wish I would have knew that as a player when I was coming up, just kind of just focus in and watch those guys a lot more. And it's not like, like you said, you're not going to be that guy. You're not trying to do everything, but you are seeing what matters to him each and every day. And that stuff, he, the stuff that matters is what's going to help you is going to show up in the game time. It really is. And obviously the guy that we used to be with JD Martinez is a guy like that, right? I mean, it's, it's, and he, he may be taking to an extreme, but it's, it's unique. It's, I think hitters want to help hitters. And, yeah. and I think that one of the things they, right. I mean, hitters, hitters want to help other hitters. If you're on the same team, usually they want to help each other. And I think that you have a great balance of, of you're probably saying, okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Now, now let's wait till he leaves the room. Now, now let's talk you and me and we'll have coming from it from another perspective that's what hitting coaching is all about right it is and and it's also you know helpful that you have players that are teammates and they will talk to the players I mean I can you know you can mention something to some of the veterans and say hey would you mind you know just young players struggling in the league or something hey could you talk to them about some of the struggles that you've gone through and how you've managed it and it goes a long ways because uh when you've walked those shoes and been in those battles, uh, you have stories and to tell, and uh, and stories always are really good for us. Uh, <laughs> stories are good. Stories are the lifeblood of baseball. Um, yeah. uh, which, speaking of which, speaking of experience, how well do you know? Did you know Bruce Bochy before you took over? I did. Um, it's been a long time since I talked to him, but I played on his first major league team that he Ooh. managed. I was uh, well. My my broke into the big leagues. He was the third base coach in San Diego. And then he became the manager and I was a journeyman, you know, my career was just up and down. I, I fooled him for a few years and, and uh, I was on that team, you know, kind of up and down. And uh, so, so yes, I, uh, I knew him then it's been, you know, just a few conversations in between, but he uh, he's not changed. Uh, I can tell you this guy, it, it's funny as a player, I, I'll go that perspective first. And, you know, I was a utility guy, a guy come off the bench. And I can remember sitting on the bench a number of times and him walking down and saying, hey, Tim, you know, it'd be like the fourth inning. And he, hey, you know, I was a left-handed hitter. And he's like, man, you know, probably about maybe that sixth inning. The way this game's going, the way I see this, you you possibly could be matched up against so-and-so in the bullpen. He goes, hey, be ready for that at bat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just like, wow, this guy, you know, he's predicting, you know, the future right here. But uh, – that's the way he is. His mind thinks ahead. And that's the reason he's so good with the bullpen. I feel, you know, he can, he, he has those roadmaps and those pockets that he's always looking for. I, I'm always fascinated about, you know, we talk about the different sports and coaching and the importance of head coaches or in this case, managers. And I've always said, you know, a manager is managing and you're, you're managing, you're managing everything. You're managing the clubhouse. You're managing a team, a 26 guys, a, an eclectic group coming from all different places, speaking of all different languages, you're managing. And then you get into the, the season and yeah, sure. It helps if you're, if you can bob and weave your way through a game, no question about it. What, what, what has been for your mind, the most impactful thing that he has done from, you know, in, in terms of that job description. 
the most impactful, he's come in with a calm presence. He's been there, you know, he's fought the fight. He's been on the big stage. He has, uh, he has the rings, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't talk about that much. He talks about what it takes to win. And it's, I mean, and it goes back to being very simple. Um, and he, he treats men like men. He, uh, he comes in and he doesn't panic in the dugout, you know, things can, you know, can go crazy and he's steady Eddie, but, uh, I feel that the big part is he, he talks winning and he talks a good baseball. Like it, he makes the game fun, but he also makes the game very simple, but he's demanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, the players get it. Like he is demanding, like he has expectations and his expectations are this way to play the game. And then you can see that reflection of being, okay, this is winning baseball. Cause mm-hmm. he's seen, he's seen the, how you win and he's seen good teams and how they, uh, they go about their business. And so he has a, he has a, uh, he, he knows the heartbeat of this team and he knows the heartbeat of each player and what's going on. It's very similar. You know, I've, I've been under some really good managers and Dave Roberts and Alex Cora, obviously, and they have that, uh, that ability to know what's going on with players and being able to touch players at the right time and, and talk to them. And so, uh, but Boach uh, definitely knows. That's hard. That's hard. I mean, your first year guy, no, no, I probably didn't know anybody except you, you know, or very few people. And yeah. I mean, it, but I would imagine that he made a conscious effort, much like, you know, yourself, when you go to a new organization, it's like, you gotta, you have to ease into this, but you have to get to know these guys in a hurry, but not in say, Hey, let's sit down for an hour. Tell me everything about yourself. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it must, it's, that's a hard thing. It is. Um, I mean, he loves people. He likes, uh, he loves players and he talks about it. Um, but he talks about winning. He talks about what it takes to win. And, and you can see he, he, he's a funny guy also. I mean, it's, so I think players like him because I mean, he's easy to talk to and he's funny. I mean, he keeps everybody laughing, but, uh, also, uh, he knows his players. And I, I just remember in spring training, you know, he was just watching the game and, you know, sitting there and you just could tell that he was watching how players were reacting to, success and failure how you know a guy let's just say a pitcher you know he gets into a damn how are you going to get out of this well you know because i could you could just see him planning for the future as your you know point being made of not knowing the guys mm. and he's one of just in spring training seeing how they react see how you react you know coming off the bench and late and you know uh innings and you know in spring training how are you going to attack your your bats you know what are you going to do what what matchups give you trouble before I ask you a nuts and bolts questions about sort of the rule changes, how that have affected things. Um, just the last thing sort of about the overall landscape of the Rangers. If you had to say this is, this has been the most important thing in the turnaround. Cause it has Tim, it has been a turnaround and you have, you, you have a unique perspective of being part of that. Um, and we can go through the numbers and we go through the stats and we can go through the acquisitions and you can talk about Bruce and we can talk about, but you know, having been in the, in the belly of the beast and, and what is, what do you think is the biggest reason here? Um, I, I think there's two things, uh, you know, uh, starting pitching has given us a shot to win games. Um, they, you know, kind of, you know, there's, there's games when, uh, you know, we needed to hit and there's games when we didn't hit, but starting pitching's kept us in the ball game. And so give us a chance uh, either to get the lead or to make a comeback. And so I think that's number one is, 
is we started out uh, each game pretty well and, and starting pitching number one. Number two is just some key hits and some consistent at-bats. Uh, the lineup is deep. Um, there's some guys, you know, they're having, you know, on pace for career years. Uh, but the, the lineup is deep. It's, it is athletic, and we've got some key hits at the right time. Um, and so I think those, that combination of hitting and starting pitching has really uh, helped us win some games early. Well, you know one of the starting pitchers from a previous team, and it's, it's a, a guy who, Bruce Bochy, I was there for an hour at your camp, Tim, because I was doing the Arizona thing where mm -hmm. I was like, see how many camps I can go to in a day. And and the only thing I got the chance to do was go to a, a Bruce Bochy press conference, and he mentioned Evaldi, and he called him Nathaniel. And I was like, I looked it up. He's literally, that's not his name. <laughs> it's, it's not, but, but I love, I love, I love the fact that he called him Nathaniel. Uh, so, uh, but I, I'm just curious, you know, you know Evaldi from the previous experience. Do you ever talk – about hitting pitching with uh, that because that guy's like a thinker right he's so, a thinker. yeah i mean he's a talented guy but he's a thinker he's Remember a competitor yeah he is a competitor also he's competitor off competitor off the field and on and so yeah um it, not in depth like deep conversations but i do pick his brain i i do we we, we talk strategy some and just here and there of, of what you would do in certain situations but um I, I just think he's a reflection in, in some of our young arms and some of the pitchers is like, hey, I think they uh, they see him in the clubhouse and he's another guy that's just steady and he's in it for the right reasons. I mean, he's out there watching some of the young guys throw bullpens. He's out there talking to some of the young guys out there playing catch and he's involved. He's 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 in it with his teammates and you, I mean, it's contagious. And so you can see that. And as you know, and everybody knows him. I mean, what a great human being, but also he's in it for the right reasons. And I, I love that about him. Is that clubhouse after the game at Dodger stadium, one of the most unique post-game clubhouse experiences that you've ever seen? The, the, you know, the, the, the applause, they, you know, you lose the game and, you know, and evolve. I, I still get chills thinking about that. I mean, it's probably one of the most being in the game for a long time. It's, probably one of my top five moments and obviously the speech from Alex and then the just the you know I can't say enough about what Nate did and then just the toughness of the game and toughness uh being out on the mound and then afterwards just his teammates how they embraced him or something else by the way within that um obviously good job because you you did a lot of right things and helped that team win the world series but also Mitch Moreland pinch hit home run right this is another thing i'm fascinated about pinch hitting and by the way i saw mitch they put him in a red Sox uniform and i said hey mitch have you retired yet no hey mitch you want to retire okay all right mitch <laughs> say i'm retired okay I, I, this is mitch moreland i'm retired so there you go i love but, it but uh but pinch hitting also like that's 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 the extreme example of a pinch hitting. You go up there and you hit a home run to win a World Series, pretty much. But who is the best pinch hitter that you've ever seen? Ooh. And is there and is there we we try to get our head around this? Oh, he has a personality for pinch hitting, and I'll give you two examples. Um, remember Matt Stairs? Matt Stairs used to go up and just, I mean, just I'm going to swing as hard as I can at, at these pitches. It was, right. and that's what he did. 
And Pedroia was a really good pinch hitter for a while. I mean, because he was the same sort of thing. I'm like, I'm just going to jump on you. So I don't know. I, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but I was just thinking of pinch hitting. I don't know why. I mean, um, I, mean I, I think a pinch hitting is – I remember Chipper Jones talking about this one time of like, he he said, you know, pinching, he wouldn't be very good because his mechanics, he's got this big toe tap, a lot of movements. He needs to be playing all the time instead of, you know, compact swing mechanics, simple thoughts or whatever would is probably benefit a guy coming off the bench. I did that a lot. And, and, and I, I think the best is guys that have simpler moves. And I mean, and I know he didn't pinch hit all the time, but Brock Holt was really good at coming off the bench and playing, not, you know, at, later in his career when I was with him, just because he was so simple and he, he kept things so easy. It's, it wasn't uh, big thoughts. It was go up there and, and cut the plate in half sometimes or look middle, middle and get the job done. I mean, I kind of give him kudos of, you know, just my the coaching career to, uh, there in uh, in Boston. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, the last thing, Tim, is um, had on Jim Joyce, umpire Jim Joyce yesterday. He was great. He was outstanding because I wanted to get the umpire's perspective of this new world of baseball, the 2023. Now I want to get the hitting coach's perspective of the new world of baseball, and that can be – the shifts, although I don't think the shifts have, you know, we all thought there was going to be like little league and everyone's going to play tr- traditional positions. And obviously that doesn't happen shifts or, or the pace of it. Like we talk about how it, it, for me early on in spring training, the hitters seemed frenetic. Everything seemed, seemed frenetic because everything was rushed. Um, so, but from the hitters hitting coaches perspective, what's your, what's your view of what's going on right now? Um, I, I know the first couple of spring training games, I mean, it was flying by for me. I mean, it was like, I mean, we're, I mean, I know they were getting the clock situated too. I felt like, you know, maybe the first couple of games, they were really, really fast. But uh, I, I mean, I do love the pace. Um, I do like how, you know, we've cut out, you know, some of the wait, waiting time in between uh, the pitches. Um, there was some adjustment for some of our hitters. I mean, mm. going up, you got to be, you know, there's certain situations, you know, you're, playing left field and you're running in, you're trying to get the game plan that change, you know, they change a relief pitcher and you're, you know, you've got to jump up and get in the batter's box before that eight seconds. So uh, there's a, uh, there's been some, uh, some adjustments with some, with some of the hitters. It, it is funny. We, we have Marcus Simeon and Corey and Nate and a couple other guys. I mean, they always are in the box. They're not guys. I mean, they love to get in, get their feet settled. Mm. Get their set. So it hasn't affected, uh, a ton of our guys. I think it's more of the younger guys that, you know, coming in, there's a lot going on in the, you know, settling and not knowing the pitchers as well as some of the veteran guys. So, um, but I love it so far. I love the pace. Um, you know, there's some inconsistencies as you go to certain parks when they start it, when they don't, you know, you get some chirping here and there from the dugouts and which is rightfully so, but uh, mm. all in all, I think that, you know, they've done a pretty good job with it. And the shifts have been really, do you, do you, I mean, a lot of people are like, I try to identify, oh, this guy's going to thrive with the shifts and look at the batting averages up. But Tim, like the, my biggest thing was the ball up the middle, right? So I've seen so many guys. I remember Jackie Bradley, when he was rolling, he would hit the ball up the middle a ton and the guy would be sitting right there. And when you're younger, maybe I'm dating myself, but when you're younger, you're told to hit the ball up the middle. 
Exactly. Right? And yeah. so I thought, these new rules, all right, here we go. We can hit the ball up the middle again. Well, the guy's still standing like uh, two inches away from the bag. So, Yeah, you're right. It was uh, When we were playing, it was, hey, you know, that's a hit. I mean, if you hit, a, hit something hard up the middle, you're getting a hit every single time, and it's not a hit anymore. I, I do think it's benefited some left-handed hitters, the pull side guy that hit. It puts some pressure on first base defense, the first baseman, that second baseman, that range uh, in the hole. I, I, I feel like I've seen a lot more hits that haven't been rockets in that pull side hole uh, a lot more this year. And maybe it's just we have a few guys who do that. And if Corey comes to mind, he, he hit a lot of balls last year that just, I mean, they were just dead outs because you got four guys sitting over there. This year, he has benefited a, a little bit more. It'd be interested to see the numbers. But um, I think there has been a few more hits uh, in that gap, but everything up the middle is still an out. It's, still <laughs> it's so depressing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the needle has moved some, I feel, but not a lot. No, no. Well, the needle has moved for the Texas Rangers. I wish you all the, it's gonna, all eyes are going to be in Tropicana Field. Uh, maybe not in the stands, but certainly around baseball it's cool man like I, I love the fact that you guys are doing well i love the fact that you know we have a lot of new teams doing well it's been an exciting year. it's been a fun year to do baseball it has it really yeah. has and you're exactly right that's just fun i mean you know we we love the fans we you know the the excitement in the stadium um and that's what that's what it's about i mean it, it's uh hopefully uh you know, baseball keeps this up and have a lot of competitive games and have a lot of good races at the end because, I mean, I, I know growing up, I'm a, I love the game, and it is fun seeing those races at the end. Oh, Got the best. I didn't get to the playoffs, and it's stressful for a coach and for an organization, but for the fan, it is something else. I know even even my family, I mean, they love the game, and we talk uh, who's winning, who's losing, who can who can catch up, and we uh, we always look at the standings all the time. So, But you know what's more stressful as a coach? not winning so there you yeah, go exactly. you're with <laughs> or, or or facing that uh or as a hitting coach is facing that range pitching staff oh well, i love it i love it you guys are up to it let's go all right yo trey kevin what's up man you know i've been thinking what would have happened if the nba never vetoes the chris paul trade to the lakers and we get cp3 in the same backcourt as kobe in la well you get a very happy jack nicholson for sure and the lakers probably win a bunch more championships cp3 finally gets a ring or two or three and the kardashian empire is forever altered what did you just say hey everybody i'm trey wingo and i'm kevin frazier and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from wondery alternate routes as former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus